Welcome to the second series of uh, Slovak Ancestry podcast, the podcast about genealogy, family history and heritage. My name is Michal Razus and this podcast is created with the support of podcast industry. It's my pleasure and honor that in today's episode I have two charming ladies from uh, Global Slovakia. It's an initiative that recently became famous, popular and well known, not only in Slovakia, but I believe that especially outside our borders. Again, it's my honor to welcome here Gabika Berghaziova and uh, Zuzana Palovičová, founders mm-hmm. of this uh, interesting project. So hello, ladies. How are you doing? Uh, hello. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's a great pleasure to be on this podcast with you. Hello and many greetings from me too. And we're really excited to join you today. Great. It's, it's really my pleasure to have you here. Please tell us a little bit more about uh, your concept, about your idea, because I have to say that I started to follow Global Slovakia maybe a year ago, and I was completely attracted by your concept, and uh, you are kind of creating an environment that is attracting people with the Slovak roots to join you, or at least to follow you. So please tell us a little bit more about all this idea and how it started. So basically, uh, I was um, I was born in Slovakia, but as a small child, my family moved uh, to the New World. So I grew up in Canada and later in the United States, so very far removed from my source country or my country of origin. And uh, it was growing up abroad, I guess it was the first time I really witnessed this kind of unnatural divide that existed between the Slovak, particular Slovak and Czech communities of North America and the origin country. So Czech Republic and Slovakia. And I guess that's where the initial idea was seeded, was somehow eventually to unify or somehow bridge this divide. And um, our initial goal with Global Slovakia was to help share the country with the world. So to help, in a way, codify, capture the history, the culture, the food, the land, uh, many of the magical, mystical tales of this region, put them in the English language, make them easy to consume for anybody particularly those that are not connected or not living in Slovakia. So it's not taken for granted knowledge and really share that with the world. Uh, but of course, our primary goal was also to help bridge and make Slovakia, her history, her stories, her customs more accessible to the Slovak communities that are abroad. And the major part of that diaspora began at the turn of the 19th and 20th century. So it's people that have for several generations, also because of the world wars, also because the 40-year totalitarian regime been severed from the country, have not been able to maintain ties or have even lost ties. But on a subconscious level and on a genetic level, they still desire to connect with the land of their ancestors. And for me, the story is a bit different because I was born in Czechoslovakia and I grew up in independent Slovakia. I was educated here. I finished my university education uh, studying Slovak culture and customs. And then I um, left Slovakia and I lived abroad so in um, various countries in Europe and in the Middle East. And it was there I really began to treasure Slovakia and all it has to offer our uniqueness that is so captivating and enchanting when you're outside of Slovakia. And uh, this living abroad for 10 years basically allowed me to see how um, we are not sharing that. We don't even understand that 
ourselves as Slovaks. So my motivation behind kind of helping Zuzana found Global Slovakia was for Slovaks in Slovakia to understand their heritage and their background, their roots and what it means to be a Slovak and that we have so much to be proud of as Slovaks, but also those with Slovak roots or people outside of Slovakia who love the country but may not have been born here. So as Zuzana said, this is uh, Global Slovakia is a project that seeks to represent Slovakia and present us sort of outwardly and inwardly in a way that's attractive, easy to understand, and that's uh, kind of built on emotions, not just descriptive information. So how long is this uh, Global Slovakia project active? So we actually established the organization three years ago, or 2018 was our first active year. And that coincided with the release of our first first book, which was called Slovakia, The Legend of the Linden. Um, now the second edition is actually retitled. It's called The Legend of the Linden, A History of Slovakia. I guess, I don't know what came first, Gabby, the chicken or the egg, whether it was the book or the organization in this case, but we definitely poured our hearts into this book because as Gabriela mentioned, we were very tired of just having descriptive uh, information available about Slovakia that did not connect the dots, that did not put it in a, into a wider context that people could also, not just mentally, but also emotionally connect to. You know, the country really needed a narrative. And unlike many of our neighbors, uh, surrounding neighbors that had their kingdoms in the past, Slovakia was not a kingdom. Slovakia was actually a territory, northern territory of another kingdom. So we actually had no experience running our own state, running our own kingdom, and therefore learning how to present ourselves in a positive way, learning how to spotlight the best aspects of our culture and share those with foreigners. So this is very much what was captured in that book. And as part of that book, also released it under our own organization, which was Global Slovakia. We had no idea that it would actually spiral so quickly and grow so quickly. And only three years later, we already released our fourth book. And this is all original literature uh, that Gabriela and I create. Uh, the most recent production, Super Slovaks, is actually geared at children and has a third author, David Keyes, which is an expat that has been living in Slovakia for the last 20 years. So yes, so it's kind of grown and it's grown very organically and it was not foreseen and it It's not that we set out, you know, after university to start on this path. We just started taking the first steps and those first steps opened up a very interesting trail. And we've just been walking along it ever since. And I guess the way that it has been growing, it's also a reflection of just how big the need there is for something like this to exist, how little information, attractive information is available about Slovakia in English language, because that's kind of our core. And uh, it's just the thirst and the hunger of people to get to know Slovakia. So we're very happy that we could have stepped in to this niche, into this gap and to start building bridges and start explaining to people what Slovakia is all about and building kind of this healthy pride from within. Now I will not speak probably just for myself, but for many of your followers, that you are really the true ambassadors of these ideas and of promotion of the Slovak culture. And I believe that you truly found the great way how to put it to the people and how to promote Slovakia and, and our culture. So you are absolutely doing a wonderful job with this. And I'm always amazed how much activities you are actually doing. So you mentioned the books, but it's not the only uh, part of your portfolio. I can follow that you are also making the online webinars and you are also very active in the issues of the Slovak citizenship. 
So maybe we can mention the, these topics as well. Uh, well, first of all, thank you very much for recognizing the value of our work. Uh, we really appreciate that. That's what actually gives us the impetus to go forward because Gabriela and I are not doing this for ourselves, but we're doing this for others. We want to be of service. So, so we really appreciate that positive feedback. And yes, with the books, of course, the diversity of our portfolio emerged out of need. The books are wonderful and they're definitely um, legacy projects that will serve uh, people for generations to come, but they're not exactly uh, sustaining our organization. So we had to get creative in terms of how Global Slovakia could exist as an NGO. And one of the new ventures that we set up um, actually during COVID was Global Slovakia Academy. So that's where people can um, access a lot of the information that we have in our books, but in a more digestible and um, student learning type of format. Uh, we have about four or five courses on there now. Gabby, is that correct? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, we run this uh, online webinar series covering a range of topics about Slovak history, some very difficult topics like communism, some very interesting topics like the history um, and the impact of Czechoslovak legionnaires, or even fun or unknown topics like uh, we had a very interesting webinar with j addressing the Slovak Roma issue or the gypsy question to food, to customs, etc. And a lot of these webinars uh, we do for free because Global Slovakia is an NGO. We do have that mission to share Slovakia with the world and therefore we really want to make it accessible to as many people as possible. And we've been very, very presently surprised. We've actually recently had to upgrade our Zoom account because uh, for our webinars like the migration one, we have sometimes three, four hundred people register. So there, that just showcases there is great interest. And most of these people, obviously, that are registering are not in Slovakia, although we do have great supporters in this country. Uh, most of that is the diaspora scattered around the world that wants to better understand the experience of their forefathers um, that traveled from Slovakia to the new world. And uh, because of all this, you know, intersection with many things, uh, we've also have developed some pretty high significant relationships also with key decision makers in Slovakia, whether from the sectors of government or business. And uh, this has also quite naturally parlayed into our uh, lobbying work, or I would say more activist work, civic engagement, which is what you mentioned, Michal, most recently. That's the One Slovak Family Initiative. And that's the championing we're doing on behalf of slightly shifting or dropping the residency clause for Slovak citizenship, accessibility to Slovak descendants abroad. I hope that that wasn't too wordy. What we are essentially doing is we're creating a community and also kind of offering a meaningful ways to connect to Slovakia and to understand sort of the Slovak essence and the Slovak roots. So the information that we share, whether it's through the webinars or through Global Slovakia Academy, it's, uh, it's the kind of information that is often only available in Slovak. So it's only for Slovaks or those fortunate enough to speak Slovak. But these things are difficult to access to uh, descendants of Slovaks across the world or people who are foreigners. And uh, it's this kind of information that gives a meaning to Slovakia, to our culture, to our history and to our existence. So it's this that, uh, I guess, uh, attracts us, it's what attracts people to us. And we have been very fortunate and very privileged and uh, you know, overjoyed uh, to observe sort of our community to grow over the past, especially two years. Yes, I really like 
especially the idea as you are kind of trying to reconnect the people that uh, left Slovakia a long time ago because Slovakia has always been the land of emigrants and now it's finally time, maybe 21st century, it's finally time to call all these people back home, something that works in our neighboring countries naturally, but Slovakia is still some kind of sleeping beauty and we, ha- we have so many great people and uh, your books are uh, great proof of it that uh, made uh, the good reputation of for Slovakia not only in, in our own land but also in the big world. So this is something that is definitely highly appreciated and I think it was a big need for for such a step. What is the feedback uh, between the people, between the expats around the world and uh, where do these people live? So I think uh, th- there's just a lot of gratitude that an organization such as ours exists that actually has this objective to try to unify and to try to reach out to these diaspora communities, some of these older diaspora communities. And uh, we are able to do it in a language and in a way that's relatable and accessible. As Gabriela said, you know, we're, we're, we, we spent a lot of our time abroad. I spent most of my life abroad. So I can understand, you know, the, the mindset in, let's say, North America and how people want to consume information and how to make that information relatable. Gabriela spent most of uh, the last, what, 10, 15, 12 years uh, in the United Kingdom. So, again, that's where we had really exposure to different ways of communication. And thankfully, we've come back and now we've harnessed that ability and we're, we're sharing that info outside of the country. And we're one of the first organizations actually to do that. And it's actually very important now that we do have, there is the effort and the initiative to make Slovak citizenship more accessible to um, descendants of Slovaks abroad. Because it's one thing to know that, okay, my grandparents or great-grandparents came from Slovakia and they cooked fish at Christmas and we made potato salad. But it's a different level of understanding and appreciation to actually kind of, to get to know why and how it all connects to our history, to our nature and to who we are so that enables the connection between all this wide diaspora of Slovak that is abroad to be more tight and for there to be kind of more meaningful motivation for these people to connect with Slovakia so it's not just because uh, they do get to know the country and they do get to understand their ancestors and so inside them it naturally awakens this desire to to contribute to the great story of this country and that's what we need as a country of five million we're a tiny nation so we really need to build those alliances and uh, build those bridges and we're very happy that we can facilitate that are there any news maybe recently we had here in uh, one of the previous podcast our common friend Parvis Malakoti, LA lawyer, who was uh, telling a little bit about this process. Are there any news about it, about the citizenship, or do we still have to wait until September? I think we still have to wait until September. You know, it's a very sensitive issue, also politically sensitive. That's why it's been delayed. But I do have to say that the petition that actually we started as part of the One Slovak Family Initiative, which probably many of your listeners have signed, we're nearly at 2,000 signees uh, that support the dropping of the residency clause in order for Slovaks abroad and descendants of Slovaks abroad to secure Slovak citizenship. This has really ha- resonated with Parliament and with with many political decision makers to for them to actually see that wow there really is this tremendous interest 
for Slovaks, from Slovaks abroad and Slovaks descendants abroad to want to come to this country. And it's not just us, you know, as an initiative in Slovakia championing it, but we're actually backed by people power. So that really speaks, especially in a collectivist society like Slovakia. So we're very, very grateful for everyone that took the time to fill out that petition and for everyone that continues to support the One Slovak Family Initiative. Thank you. And it's amazing for us in Slovakia because this is uh, the Slovaks abroad. That's uh, a whole mystery for us. You know, we don't talk about it. We are aware that there are people with Slovak roots abroad. But there is kind of this collective narrative in the country that oh, they don't even know where Slovakia is. And uh, it's not true. And uh, initiatives such as this are clearly showing it. So it's also shifting um, Slovakia and the way we understand ourselves and the way we appreciate the nation. You know, it's not just the people who live here. It's also all those people out there who, despite being so far, feel connected and they love the country and they do want to get to know it. And it's my personal opinion that knowing this also helps us in Slovakia look at our country with new eyes and to really sort of uh, value it more than we might have done in the past or not to take certain things for granted. I think that I can just confirm your words in the sense being as a being a genealogist. Many times I am working with the people that might be third or fourth generation of Slovaks living already in the United States whose ancestors came there on the break of 19th and 20th century. And those people might not be speaking anymore the language, they might be disconnected uh, from the country and from the culture a little bit, but they still value a lot their Slovak roots, they still can make the, the Slovak dishes, and they have some almost magical connection to Slovakia, and they have this desire and will to reconnect again somehow. So this is mm. something that always inspires me. And, I, and we definitely think, I mean, we, Gabriela and I would love to participate in a campaign, for example, in Slovakia to inform Slovaks of the value of the Slovak diaspora and the fact that it's not absurd to understand that there's Slovaks abroad. You know, a lot of people left at the turn of the 19th and 20th century. In fact, one third of our nation emigrated abroad. Michal, you're speaking with us from Eastern Slovakia, you know, in the town, in the regions of Preshov and Košice, most families are affected by this out, outbound migration. Everybody either has a family member or knows somebody who uh, emigrated to the new world. So it's just that we, we're, we're still Slovaks, but we're Slovaks living on different continents. And there is nothing but a benefit to this country and to our society and to our communities by unifying these Slovaks scattered across the world. For us, this is also a way of healing that wound, because in order for us Slovaks in Slovakia to forgotten the people who have left we kind of I guess subconsciously there is the story that they left and that's that so we cut them off because people are living under sort of you know difficult circumstances throughout the centuries whether it was hunger there were wars political regimes that made it made Slovakia a very inhospitable environment so people are leaving they created a wound that's not healed and you can feel that in the Slovak reaction to this initiative or to their perceptions of uh, Americans or Canadians with Slovak roots. 
it's like they don't exist, you know, mm-hmm. and we think they don't care, they don't know, but it's not true because once we connect on a personal level, we always get so excited when families get to unite and uh, that's always welcome. So there needs to be a little more of this uh, healing work mm-hmm. around the divides, around these connections that were cut in the past, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. under very strenuous circumstances yeah. without yeah. a goodbye. So uh, that's uh-huh. what we do. Absolutely. And it's just just to add to that, we have to understand that in the last political regime that was here for 40 years and only came down essentially 1990, there was a very aggressive anti-immigration policy. So uh, the population that remained were conditioned uh, to believe that these people were defectors, they were betrayers of Slovakia, of Czechoslovakia, and actually maintaining ties, even in the form of letter writing, was a great risk to these families. You know, so so a lot of that severing was artificial and it was politically motivated, and it, these wounds need to heal too through counter narratives that actually show how important it is to unite the Slovak family, which, for example, the Irish or the Italians have long done. Exactly. This is something that I can also confirm from my own experience. I was just recently helping a gentleman from New York who was searching for his roots in Slovakia. And we were successful. We found the family here. And uh, the gentleman in Slovakia said that he had serious problems to get into school and to get a proper job because his father was born in New York, in America. And so he was all his life suspicious. He was being considered an agent and, or imperialistic enemy. Yes, these stories mm-hmm. uh, were definitely very common and there was a gap that was built d- due to the mm-hmm. political regimes. Absolutely, and we have to understand that the Cold War is recent and although the Cold War was in brackets cold, it was nevertheless a war and a war that took many decades to terminate, you know, so it certainly has its consequences and imprints yes. that need to be healed. Zuzana, and do you have actually your own personal story? Is the story of emigrant? So if you don't mind, can you share it a little bit more? Sure. What was happening, when it was happening? I, I think it's yeah. very exciting because many of the people were living, you know, in 100 years ago, but your family story is pretty recent. So yeah. what, what was behind it? Yeah, so about one year before the revolution, uh, my parents decided to defect. Um, so obviously leaving Czechoslovakia, uh, socialist Czechoslovakia at the time was not possible. So we had to do it illegally. And that means we got a holiday permit or a travel permit, which in those days was very difficult to get. And Michal, you understand this, to go to Vienna. Or I'm not sure if it was a permit to go to Yugoslavia via via Austria. And uh, it's once we entered Austria, it's my parents informed me that we're never going to return. And we actually had to go through the refugee camps because obviously my parents didn't speak German or they spoke very poor German. They didn't have much money. Um, There was huge economic discrepancies between uh, Czechoslovakia and the free world. Uh, So we actually went through the refugee camps. Uh, There was a certain infrastructure already set up in Austria. uh, Austria was the first free country that in a way bordered bordered much of these Iron Curtain countries. So it was a popular destination. And we spent about nine months in in Austria before we got permission to actually come as landed immigrants to Canada. So during this time, uh, there was a different climate on on the planet. And there was this notion of a political political refugee that was recognized or a political immigrant. And it was thanks to that and the knowledge that a lot of these people were fleeing the Eastern Bloc countries, that countries 
like Canada, uh, Australia, and America actually opened their borders to them. One, for ideological reasons, but two, it was mostly for economic reasons. A lot of these people that were defecting, like my parents, were actually skilled. My mother was an architect. My father was an air traffic controller. At the time, there were shortages of this skill set in Canada. So Canada was the one that received us. And we actually ended up arriving in uh, Vancouver, Canada, where we established uh, our home and eventually became citizens. So I'm a dual citizen between Canada and the U.S. However, uh, growing up, I was very, very, very curious about Slovakia. And I was very, very curious about the world. So whenever I had an opportunity, for example, in university, whether it was my one month uh, Christmas holiday or my three month summer holidays, I would always make sure to come back to Slovakia in addition to visiting uh, many other countries. So all in all, I spent most of my 20s traveling, uh, living, uh, studying and working abroad. I've lived in 10 different countries across four different continents. After completing my PhD, actually, in the topic of Slovak migration in the United Kingdom, where I had the pleasure to actually meet Dr. Gabriela, I decided to return back to Slovakia and uh, lay my roots down in the country I was born in. So that's just a quick synopsis. I don't know if you want to ask me more questions. Uh, feel free, Michal. Yes, I have a question. I saw the picture of your grandfather on one of your posts on the on the social website. How were the relations with your grandparents? Yeah, so obviously my parents defected during communism, so it was uh, thankfully towards the end of the regime, but it certainly had very negative consequences on my family, including my grandparents, including my father's brother, who was actually demoted from his position where he was in a high position running the tourism development in the Tetra region. Because his brother was a defector, he was immediately um, brought in by the secret police for interrogation, and then as a consequence demoted from his post, informed that of course his children would never be able to attend university, etc. So, so this, my parents leaving maybe was a positive for them, but it definitely had very, very negative ex- um, consequences on my family. Thankfully, those consequences were very short-lived because in November 1989, After upon that, uh, my grandparents actually would come and visit us. So we had this uh, very Slovak structure uh, of uh, raising children, which in Slovakia, grandparents play a very important role in the child care process, especially because the parents are working. Hiring a nanny is just out of the question because of the financial costs of that. So the grandparents step in. And that's exactly also what happened in Canada. Uh, My grandmother would come for six months then go back to Slovakia. Then my grandfather would come for six months. So this is in a way I was really able to maintain my connection with Slovakia was through the connection of of my bloodline or these people, my grandparents in this case, visiting in addition to other people that would always come and visit from Slovakia. So that I always always get a boost of Slovak sweets and Slovak toys and just listening to the Slovak language. This is also how I was able to, uh, we did speak Slovak at home, but with my grandparents coming, they were not able to speak English and nor did they have any desire to learn English. So I would always uh, speak, of course, only in Slovak with them. And uh, this is how tacitly and very naturally they passed on a lot of Slovakia to me. And I guess this is how that that love for Slovakia burns in my heart, is thanks to my grandparents. Thank you. What a story. (laughs) Thank you. One easy question. How are you spending these nice summer days? Are you having vacation? Or are you already thinking about some new projects or ideas? Gabby? Yes. <laughs> uh, we are always uh, have, you know, 
we're always toying with at least 10 ideas at any given time. But uh, our latest book, Super Slovaks, is just released and published. Uh, so we're naturally looking for uh, new inspiration and uh, new activities. So one of them, I believe, will resonate with your listeners because uh, we already started on a uh, multimedia project, Slovak Settlers in the New World, during which we collect stories uh, of uh, descendants of those who left Slovakia at some point in history and decided to make the new world their home. So if you are interested, if you are listening to this and you would like to share the story of your family with us, please reach out to us. We would love to hear it. Uh, So that's one project. It will be a book. There will also be a video series as a part of that. And on top of that, the one thing that always excites everyone about Slovakia, regardless of nationality, is the food. And it's very natural because that's, you know, we say that uh, love passes through the stomach. So uh, food is a way to build friendships and, uh, you know, relationships. So our project after that will be a Slovak cookbook wherein we will engage the top chefs in Slovakia. And we will take traditional recipes and also offer kind of a modern twist uh, on these classic Slovak dishes so that they're easier to prepare at home. And as the rest of our books, this will also be very colorful and very vivid. And it will offer information and not just it will not just be about recipes, but we'll talk about how this is connected to Slovak identity and kind of what role uh, these dishes played in our everyday and uh, kind of celebratory life. So these are the two immediate projects that are already happening. But on a personal level, Gabby is actually spending most of her time in her, what would you call it, country estate? Uh, (laughs) My country house. (laughs) Country house in a small little hamlet in Western Slovakia, which I I guess like you only have a few neighbors, right? You're you're living quite isolated. Yes. But the interesting thing about the house, so it's a little cottage, but it was built for money that was earned in America uh, in 1930s. So, mm-hmm. yes, so I live the legacy too. <laughs> and uh, and the, this is where I'm spending most of the time in the summer. I mean, it's beautiful, it's in nature, so there's plenty of things to do, like collect fruits and herbs and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, Zuzi is actually was spending most of her days when it's sunny at Slunichne Yazera, Sun Lakes in Senec, which is one of the kind of prime summer destinations of Slovakia. Mm-hmm. So, so we're living at the Slovak, I guess, the Slovak legacy and the Slovak dream, which actually was popularized in communism, which is to have these cottages, uh, either in nature or on a river or on a lake. And we, Gabriela and I are privileged enough to have access to these opportunities via our families. So, yes, I spend most of my summer actually on a lake or it's five lakes that are connected and uh, it's a wonderful to still be productive, still still have access to internet and, and, and the computer and everything, but to be in an environment that's removed from a city. And so we're, we're living that Slovak lifestyle, uh, dream lifestyle as well. I see. Well, what I really like about you ladies is that you are like a firework of ideas and you are always doing something new and creative. And uh, I would like to wish you good luck with all your projects and uh, with all the steps that you are already planning and making. 
Before I will say goodbye to you, uh, maybe it would be worth to remind our listeners where they can find you. Do you have websites or Facebook website or mm-hmm. how can they reach you? I think the best way is to actually just enroll in our newsletter. Uh, that's where you can we, we send weekly updates about our various projects and free webinars and our classes. And that's by going to www.globalslovakia.com. Another way to find access to us and the content that we produce in addition to these little videos that we put up on Facebook is Global Slovakia. If you just type in Global Slovakia on Facebook and hit like or follow, uh, that's another way to stay up to date uh, with the with our creativity and we are also on instagram under global slovakia too great is there anything else that uh, i forgot to ask and it's definitely worth to mention i'm happy <laughs> yeah we're just uh we hope that your podcast continues to grow in its success yes. and in its reach and we also think michael you're doing very very important work with this genealogy service that you provide at a very very accessible prices and also now expanding into this podcast series and we're very curious to see where you take it further but you're also very much uh helping with that mission of bridging the divide between slovaks at home and slovaks abroad so thank you Thank Quite you very literally much. connecting families, which is really beautiful. Thank you very much, ladies. Again, all the best and uh, good luck with all your projects. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you. you <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. That was all for today, and I am looking forward to you next week. You were listening to Slovak Ancestry podcast with Michal Radus, created with the support of podcast industry. You can find us at Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. If you have an interesting family story and you would like to share it, feel free to contact me via email in the description.